Hello, and welcome to the Rude Pedersen series on the circular economy. My name is Kevin Bradley, and I'm a senior advisor at Rude Pedersen Public Affairs, following all things related to the EU agenda with respect to natural resources and the circular economy. Over the past two years, we have been examining, with the help of different stakeholders, the steps and measures the EU is taking to make its economy low carbon, greener, circular, resilient, resource secure, as well as resource and energy efficient. A truly ambitious agenda. Despite significant challenges posed by the coronavirus pandemic and more recently the Russia-Ukraine war, the European Commission has managed to continue its drive for a sustainable green transition for the EU. The circular economy is a central policy objective for the Commission. It has already taken steps to promote sustainable products and also measures to promote better waste management, recycling, and measures in relation to the shipment of waste. The overall goal is to encourage greater circularity in terms of materials and products, thereby contributing to reduce consumption of primary resources. Towards the end of 2022, the Commission published a significant proposal for the revision of the Packaging and Packaging Waste Directive. In this proposal, it's seeking to address perceived weaknesses in the current approach to packaging at EU level. Some of the issues it is addressing include greater efforts to encourage reusable packaging or reuse systems, mandatory recycled content for plastics used in packaging, and greater efforts to prevent packaging waste arising in the first place. Today, we're going to take a closer look at the proposal from the perspective of the beverage carton manufacturers. And I'm very pleased to welcome to the podcast Annie Carpentier, Director General of ACE, the Beverage Carton Manufacturers Association. Annie has extensive experience in the area of sustainability and environmental policy. Before taking up her duties as ACE Director General, she worked with Eurometo, the European Federation of the Non-Ferrous Metals Industry, as Sustainability Director. And prior to that, she was also Secretary General of the International Confederation of Inspection and Certification Organizations, and also Deputy Managing Director at CEPI, the Confederation of European Paper Industries. So a person with substantial experience in terms of materials, but also in terms of, of uh, the paper industry, which I think is important here. Anik is a Belgian national and holds a degree in political science and also a degree in environmental management. Anik, good afternoon. You're very welcome to the podcast and thank you for taking time to talk to us on the packaging and packaging waste regulation today. Thank you and thank you to Wood Patterson for inviting me today to speak about this very fascinating proposal of the Commission to revise the Packaging and Packaging Waste Directive. Great. If I can begin, Anik, with a general observation. There's been, I think, mixed reactions from stakeholders to the proposal, you know, also taken by surprise by remarks of Vice President Timmermans at the press launch in November 2022, where he said, I think everyone has experienced it. You order something online, it comes in a massive box that's half empty or contains double layers to make the product look larger than it is. Or you go to a cafe and instead of being served on regular plates, food in single-use containers. So you leave behind a mountain of waste. What's the beverage carton industry's overall perspective on the proposal? And and by the way, is the commissioner right? Is packaging leading to mountains of waste? So the, the first thing is, indeed, 
packaging has a footprint as everything we do in society. And in this sense, I believe that sometimes we take it from the wrong angle. And I believe we should take it from societal needs. Packaging is also essential. And you mentioned the COVID crisis. And during that time, actually, the Commission recognized the essentiality of packaging in the supply value chain for food and beverages, and therefore in the resilience of those supply chains. So packaging can be indeed, in some cases, superfluous, and we indeed all experience that. But packaging can also be quite essential, essential to health and safety, essential to the resilience of the supply chain, to transporting, etc. Don't want to go too much into that, but now moving into the ACE position and the beverage carton industry position on the PPWR. I believe first that the proposal as it was stable and adopted by the Commission is quite disruptive and quite ambitious. And the beverage carton industry supports an ambition proposal and an ambitious way to look at packaging. But at the same time, we believe that setting always more ambitious targets without certain conditions being met might be counterproductive. I mean, what we see at the moment is that member states struggle to collect packaging waste in a sufficient way. Some of them, and actually quite a number of them, do struggle to meet the recycling objectives, which were already adopted a few years ago. And this proposal will call on them to further go and invest into reuse system, recycling systems, and et cetera, et cetera. If we do not have a robust proposal, and if we do not have a commitment of all stakeholders, and I mean by this industry, commission, and member states, to work together and find a robust approach, then I am afraid we will not meet the targets. And that would be, from a democratic perspective, a very bad sign. And we know we don't need those kind of signs at the moment. And I would like to continue with a few principles, which I think, you know, are very useful to assess the measures proposed. Number one, it's, of course, governance. We need a proposal by which, and you know, industry is not banned if someone else does not deliver on the commitments. And that is the case at the moment in the proposed regulation. We also want to have a, a proposal based and foreseeing enabling conditions. If you want packaging to be recycled, you first need packaging to be collected. And despite the fact that EPR schemes have been in place for many, many years in many member states, if not basically all except maybe Denmark, and a few others, then packaging is still not collected at a high rate. And without that, there will be no recycling target met. Third principle is, of course, whether the proposals do actually have an environmental benefit or and health and safety benefit, or whether that disturbs the health and safety of food and beverages and, and packaging as such. And finally, the fourth principle for me is feasibility. Is it really feasible? Do we not, again, take commitments and targets which cannot be met because it, it would simply not be feasible? But I'd like to finish my answer to your question with, with again, a word on shared responsibility. We believe that industry has indeed a responsibility to ensure that packaging is fully recyclable by 2030. Packaging has a responsibility to contribute to the cost of collection and recycling of the packaging put on the market and the waste, the packaging waste, which derives from that. 
and that is through the EPR fees. But member states have the responsibility to set up the EPR schemes and also to set up the waste management targets for those EPR schemes. If they don't do that, there is a lack of governance and, and kind of a I would say, relationship between the, the measures proposed and the requirements and the potential ban of industry and what member states are up to do. And finally, the Commission is responsible to uh, agree on the enabling conditions and the framework conditions that would make it possible. Okay, I think that's a pretty comprehensive view and perspective. Let's move into some of the specifics. Not all reuse systems are better than recycling, as you well know. What do you make of the proposed reuse targets? Is there a possibility they will conflict with or impact uh, recycling systems? Yes, I mean, that's indeed a key aspect of this uh, proposal, and which indeed raises a lot of attention and, and I would say um, worries. The first thing I'd like to say is that indeed recycling and reuse are complementary and need to be complementary. There is a place for reuse today and there is a place for reuse tomorrow. But at the same time, as for everything, we need to assess the proposals. Uh, we believe that a bit more cautious should be taken to what is really focused on. And I will take the example of microbiological sensitive products such as juice. Actually, by law, and I mean by EU legislation, you cannot add any preservative to juice. Juice needs to be 100% juice, basically. Otherwise, it's not a juice. Uh, the same you know, for other microbiological sensitive products, which means that because of the acidity of, of juice, you can only use glass as a reusable option. And we know very well that glass is heavy, breaks, uh, cannot be reused so many times because of the different elements, and at the end of the day would have a much bigger environmental footprint. We know that reuse requires a lot of sanitation, especially for those products which are microbiological sensitive, because you need a very uh, thorough and uh, extensive sanitation system. But on the top of it, you know, you would very easily lose the quality and the integrity of some of the products because of the weather conditions and the system, etc. Turning to another issue or another proposal in the text, the proposal contains requirements for the plastic part in packaging to contain a minimum amount of post-consumer recycled material content. How feasible is this going to be in reality? The first thing I'd like to say is that our industry is keen to include recycled plastic in its products, provided it is available on the market at economically viable prices. And that is not the case. That is not the case. And the extent and the, the ambition of the targets included in the proposed PPWR will make the situation even more challenging. I think the Commission even recognizes that as it includes it in the text, a provision according to which it will assess the availability of the recycled plastic on the market for contact-sensitive packaging, which is our, our case, but also the availability of technology. As a matter of fact, to have a, a recycled plastic allowed in contact with food, so for food contact applications, you need the authorization of EFSA, the European Food and Safety Organization. 
And, and that is not the case for many plastics. You need very, very strict conditions to recycle plastic that is then allowed for food contact. So for the, the, the kind of scale that is envisaged here, you would need actually chemical recycling. But we also feel that this proposal fails to reconcile two key critical objectives of the Green Deal, and that is climate change mitigation on the one hand and circularity on the other hand. There is absolutely nothing in this proposal that relates to climate change mitigation. In this sense, we believe that establishing an equivalence between recycled content and bio-based plastic content should be feasible. It would facilitate achievement of the targets or attainment of the targets, and it would also promote a low-carbon solution because bio-based plastic have a lower carbon footprint compared to fossil fuel-based plastic. They can be collected, recycled, and reused in, in a new product in exactly the same way as the plastic. So there's absolutely no issue about that, but it would at least bring a lower carbon footprint and facilitate the attainment of the objectives. A final point on that aspect, and you, you mentioned it, is, is indeed how do you assess what are the costs related to the assessment and, of course, maybe the verification of the attainment of the targets. Exactly. I think when you put it like that, I, I begin to realise how disruptive and ambitious it is at the same time, this, this proposal. Okay, well, turning, let's turn to recycling um, because anytime discussions come up about packaging, it often gets reduced to we're not recycling enough. Most member states, all but a very few, actually met the 55% overall target for 2018, which was the recycling target. So, you know, when I look at this and I'm thinking to myself, now we've got this very ambitious and disruptive proposal. Is there a law of diminishing returns here? Yeah, a good point if you look at it from, from the US that perspective, but I'd like to make a, a few comments on that. Number one, the situation provides a lot from member states to member states and between packaging types without considering whether the packaging has a meaning or not. And I will take beverage carton now, just for you to understand a bit where I come from. We pack about 75% of the milk in Europe and about 60% of the juice. There's a reason for that. It's not like, you know, we they love beverage content for themselves. No, the reason is that our composition provides a certain functionality that is essential to keep the integrity of the product, which is a microbiological sensitive product, juice or, or milk. And if you... Take it from there, the only other option is probably an opaque PET, which is not recyclable at all. But I mean, those packaging also need to be collected. You should not just look at, you know, a few like PET that has a collection target of 90% in the single-use plastic directive and, uh, you know, is of course advocating for chemical recycling to get where it needs to be. You need to, and especially at the Commission, you are not there to kind of uh, have a non-material neutral approach, but you should provide rules which are, I would say, fit for purpose and provide the necessary functionality that society needs, while at the same time, of course, setting targets. That's number one. Number two, um, as you know, the Commission adopted a new calculation method for the recycling rates, which is also extremely uh, complex and demanding on member states, because at, at the end of the day, no one may meet the targets. 
the more ambitious targets for 2025. These targets and for 2030, for paper, it will be 85%. If you think about it and if you think about your own behavior, and I'm sure you behave very well in terms of waste sorting, etc. But there's always a little bit of loss. That's at collection. There's always been you know, a, a little loss at sorting as well because of quality, because of contamination, because of that and the other. And finally, if you look at the recycling rate in a strict manner as requested by the Commission, then you have even more losses. So getting to 85% is almost collecting 100% of the packaging, of the paper packet. That's for paper. But the same reasoning applies, of course, to every material. So... With that, I think that the missing link again, and I think here uh, I would refer to two principles that I mentioned above. Uh, one is the governance and the other one is the enabling condition. The PPWR proposal says that by 2035, all packaging need to be collected, sorted and recycled at scale, which will mean covering an average of 75% of the EU population. Now, you can translate that a bit differently, but in essence, uh, you, you can translate it as packaging needs to be recycled at 75% on average at EU level. What does it mean? It means you need to be collected at about 90%. And we know that EPR schemes have been in place for many, many years in many member states. Uh, in some cases, 20 years or a bit less, but in many member states, EPR schemes have been set up. And basically no member states reaches those targets of 90%, I mean. But 90% would be what is needed to reach the 75% recycling. Right. This has been fascinating listening to you. And I was just writing down here. I can see your point. We're going to need substantial improvements in in collection and sorting. At this stage, do you think it's will achieve the expected impacts highlighted by the Commission? And I just read read what they said. They said to reduce the generation of packaging waste, promote a circular economy, promote the use of recycled content and packaging. I think we've touched on all of those things and you have, you know, highlighted your concerns on this. But is it added value or is it going to help us or is it going to hinder us? I think after all I said, I can only respond that, yes, if the framework conditions are in place, if the regulation is based on sound governance and if targets are realistic, if the enabling conditions are there and if the targets are realistic and make sense from an environmental and health and safety perspective. If all of those aspects are reconsidered, then I think we could, working together, um, end up with something which, which is valuable and which will take industry and also provide industry with predictability, which is absolutely needed for industry. I also think to end up maybe that, and I've said that many times to NGOs, EB and others, let's stop shooting at each other. Of course, we do different, we do defend different interests, but at the same time, we need to come to a point where we can do an LCA together and trust that LCA. Because at the moment, and that's why I'm, I quoted an LCA done by NGOs, we have our own LCAs. But then immediately uh, we are saying, oh yeah, but that's an industry uh, LCA. You know, we, we don't trust it, even by the commission. So what I'm saying is, let's, let's stop doing that. Let's work together. Let's do LCAs together. And then we will see the results. Okay. Well, with that, uh, Anik, thank you 
for talking to us today. Thank you for your insights. Thank you for your examination and all the pros and the cons. I think there were uh, some excellent points there. Um, all I can say from our side is we wish you and the beverage carton industry well in these discussions. And uh, let's see what happens in the next uh, 18 months. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. And uh, and it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. <laughs>